With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to Scuderia F1, the podcast that's always up to speed with the latest Formula One news. Follow us on Twitter at Scuderia F1 Pod and subscribe to the show on iTunes and Stitcher. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Daly and Kevin Laramay. Hey everybody, what is up? Welcome to the podcast that is always up to speed with Formula One here on the Overtime Media Network. Mark Daly here hanging out once again in the Vivid Seat studio and we're just going to launch right into it uh, this week. There's uh, so much to talk about and I apologize right off the top of the bat here because uh, the show is a little bit late this week as it is uh, usually, but I was uh, under the weather for a couple of nights and it was just difficult to find any energy. I just uh, spent the time convalescing and trying to get back uh, to, to normal and then wake up this morning and felt perfectly fine so just in time for the weekend so that's uh, all good and of course uh, there is so much to talk about we had the Belgian Grand Prix at Spa-Francorchamps last weekend Italian Grand Prix coming up at Monza and by the time that this show goes out uh, for download in just a couple of hours we will just be again a couple of hours away from the first practice session at, uh, at Monza so exciting love uh, all these back-to-back weekends and we're going to get a lot more of them next year what with 22 races on the calendar and uh it's definitely uh it's always a highlight when uh, we have back-to-back race weekends and of course there is sad news to, to talk about uh, this week and uh, of course uh, i'm referring to the uh, unfortunate and tragic death of antoine hubert in the uh, the formula 2 race at spa last weekend freak unlucky just call it what you will but it's a uh, tragic just uh, 22 years of age and our thoughts and prayers go out to uh, antoine's uh, family and friends for their for their loss so we don't want to dwell on that. We don't want to make light of it, of uh, of course, either. But uh, we are just going to keep going on and do what uh, we always do here. And let's just uh, quickly go back and uh, take a look at the, the results from Spa last weekend. And Charles Leclerc finally gets his first win in Formula One, his first career win uh, for Ferrari. And uh, that's been a long time coming. It's, uh, well, he's had his opportunities uh, several times uh, this year, but uh, was denied uh, one way or another. Bahrain was one that he should have won, but the car let him down. And then uh, Austria was another one that looked like uh, Charles was on uh, on course to win. But of course, uh, Max Verstappen had something to say about that. He beat Lewis Hamilton by just under a second. And uh, Valtteri Bottas came home in third to uh, claim uh, the uh, the second, uh, or sorry, third place uh, for Mercedes and Sebastian Vettel miles behind, uh, almost half a minute uh, behind Valtteri Bottas in the second Ferrari. And in fifth position, Alexander Albon in the Red Bull, the sole remaining Red Bull after Max Verstappen crashed out on lap one and at turn one. More on that in uh, just a moment. Uh, but uh, Alexander Albon, I think that his race can be class or classified as maybe not all that great in the first half, but certainly second half of the race, uh, very, very good. And uh, 
and a fifth place, a, a very solid start to his Red Bull uh, racing uh, career. So we see how that goes over the next uh, number of races until the end of the year. Six was Sergio Perez in the Racing Point. Seventh was Danny Kvyat in the Scuderia Toro Rosso. Number eight was the Hulk, Nico Hulkenberg in the first of the Renault. And uh, ninth was Pierre Gasly in the other Toro Rosso. And then 10th, Lance Stroll coming home, claiming a rare point for himself in the second Racing Point. So it uh, was, well, it was... An exciting, exciting race. Ferrari had the front row lockout and they really, well, I mean, we were talking about the the last little while, just the, the disadvantage that have. Ferrari has a lack of downforce and the, the, all the effects that that has with the lack of grip and the lack of, uh, uh, uh downforce putting the heat into the tires and getting them into the, uh, the optimum operating temperature. But their straight line speed, all the advantage uh, around Spa this past weekend. And, uh, it was interesting to watch, especially after the, uh, the, the, the pits stops and I really thought that what we've seen at certain times this year that the Ferrari was really quite good on the medium tires I mean go back to, to, to Baku for one example uh, you know several months ago now and they were good for a little while but it was absolutely crucial the role that um, that uh, Sebastian Vettel played uh, he was in the lead and was told to switch around for Charles Leclerc and um, Vettel played an absolutely crucial role in just uh, uh, holding up uh, Lewis Hamilton enough that I think that uh, by the time of the end of the race I mean uh, if there's maybe five more laps I think that uh, Hamilton probably would have uh, caught and passed uh, Charles Leclerc I mean like I say he was only a second behind him by by the time they got to the finish line a couple more laps uh, it could have easily been a victory for for Lewis Hamilton but that that blocking role that interfering role whatever you want to call it supporting role that uh, Sebastian Vettel played in spa absolutely uh, super important it just slowed down lewis uh, enough uh, just those couple of laps but it was interesting watching them go up the camel straight there and uh, just the, the the straight line speed that the ferrari had because we've seen numerous examples and uh, we saw some really good ones uh, especially uh, pierre gasly and uh, and and, and kimi raikkonen was it alexander alban or was it uh, sergio perez i can't remember the second car reenacting roberto zonta uh, mika hakkinen and michael schumacher <laughs> that uh, infamous pass from about 15 or 20 years ago uh, was uh, almost a carbon copy of it. But in those cases, you could see the cars that were really close to one another with the effect of DRS really get into the slipstream and really slingshot in front of the cars uh, that they were trying to pass. But it uh, it was not that case uh, with the Mercedes, even when they got close to uh, having DRS or even in DRS range, once they got up and uh, they just uh, started to accelerate up the Camel straight there, it was uh, absolutely... It was well. It was awesome. I mean, that, that uh, straight line speed that the Ferrari had, you could just see them disappearing a little ways, and I think it must have been very frustrating for the Mercedes drivers and anybody else trying to keep up with them. But again, the the, the way that things turned out, and then once uh, Sebastian Vettel and Charles Leclerc had switched places, how dramatically his pace dropped off, and how much uh, he was struggling. I mean, even Lewis Hamilton uh, said that he was struggling a little bit on the medium tires, but nothing as bad as uh, Sebastian Vettel. I mean, he was really a non factor in that race and uh, just uh, completely I don't know what to say. A complete non-factor. I mean, you don't really expect to see uh, Sebastian Vettel playing a, 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 a supporting role like that. I mean, he's supposed to be the number one driver there, but that's what teammates are for. I mean, obviously, Charles was the faster of the two drivers on the day. I mean, he was fast all weekend long, and uh, you got to 
think of the bigger picture. And I think that Sebastian Vettel is a good teammate in that way. And uh, I I think that uh, obviously he must be disappointed that uh, he wasn't challenging for the race himself. And in the the last uh, previous two races, I mean, he'd done quite well to get onto the podiums. I mean, uh, Germany was a little bit fortuitous, what with the, uh, the, the, the weather, but both in Germany and also in Hungary, I think it was uh, Sebastian's and, uh, and, and Ferrari's tactics that uh, were on, on, on point for once. I mean, uh, talked about many times over the years on this program, just how that, um, that, that the, uh, the strategy and the pit stops just uh, haven't always worked out and you kind of sit there and watch, well, that really didn't work out to, to their advantage. Anyways, it didn't really work out uh, the, the way that they wanted to. And what really surprised me even more uh, that, uh, that uh, Sebastian Vettel was so lacking in pace on the medium tires is that the, the late pit stop that he made uh, to switch to soft tires at the end of the race, uh, again, I thought, well, this might be a bit of an inspired move. I mean, if the, I, I, mean, I can't exactly remember what the predicted uh, advantage or difference between the medium and the soft tires were, but let's say it's about uh, three quarters or one, one second. With the amount of time that was left, it seemed entirely doable that he could uh, catch up and get within uh, arm's length of, uh, of Valtteri Bottas. And indeed, on the, uh, the Sky Sports broadcast, which we, we get on TSN here in, in Canada, they were saying exactly that that uh, Mercedes were predicting that by the uh, the lap 44, which was the final lap of the race, that uh, Vettel would be within a couple of seconds of um, uh, of Valtteri Bottas. I mean, it didn't actually turn out that way. I mean, anything but. And, well, maybe it was one of those cases that um, Vettel thought, well, there's no point really pushing the car and the the, uh, the, the equipment too hard. I mean, it seemed like it would be a very difficult thing uh, to close that gap, and it didn't really come down. We would have, would have expected to see some big gains within the first couple of laps after switching back to the soft tires, which he had on at the start of the race, but it just didn't uh, really happen. So I really wonder if it was a case of live to fight another day for Sebastian Vettel, because we've got, like I said, we've got another race coming up. And uh, we've seen all sorts of people have problems with uh, with engines, and we saw a couple of engines uh, blow uh, over the course of the weekend. And well, <laughs> we all know what that means with grid penalties, and uh, th- that would just be, I think, add uh, you know, put a little bit of salt in the wound that has been a very difficult year uh, for Ferrari, obviously. And when you look at it, though, you would think that these couple of races, and my wife and I were talking about it before the race, that now we're going to a couple of uh, really fast circuits in Spa and then Monza, that that's where you would expect that if Ferrari's going to win any race at all this year, it might be one of those two races just um, due to the fact that they are very, well, what we always would call power circuits, uh, lots of straightaways and uh, not so many technical um, areas. And I think it's going to be the same again at Monza this weekend. Uh, it's going to be very interesting. I mean, there aren't really too many uh, tight, twisty corners. I mean, there's a chicane and, um, well, there are lots of areas where you can run full throttle. And uh, I, I think, again, that will be to the benefit of uh, Ferrari. But the thing is, and I find it interesting too, is that you can never really write off a Mercedes in these um, circumstances as well, because every time uh, we, th- we think that Ferrari might have an advantage, the advantage they have isn't really as, as much as we think. I mean, I think they look very solid in, in, in qualifying, obviously, uh, coming back and, and, and locking out uh, the, the, the front row. I mean, uh, Charles Leclerc setting a time, a pull time of 142.519. Sebastian Vettel uh, was a little ways off. I mean, his uh, second uh, place was, uh, was uh, or the time he set for second on the grid was uh, 143.267. I mean, just a whisker ahead of uh, Lewis Hamilton, whose time was a 143.282. 
But of course, once they get into race trim and the, the green light goes on Sunday, it turns out to, to be uh, completely different. And it really was a case that uh, they, they needed to, to work as a team. I think that was uh, one of the big complaints that I had um, over the past couple of years with uh, with Kimi Raikkonen and, and Sebastian Vettel as teammates. It seemed that many times where you, you had uh, the, the two Mercedes cars uh, there, um, the Sebastian Vettel maybe leading the race or trying to do something, didn't always have the benefit of uh, having Kimi there to, to to back him up. I mean, Kimi was quick, but maybe not uh, quick enough. But uh, it, it really worked out uh, th- this weekend uh, for for the Ferraris. And uh, maybe this is getting a little bit off of uh, of track. But uh, I was thinking to um, watching uh, the, the the race this past weekend, just the issues I think that, uh, that they have with the design of the car and the the low downforce and just the the lack of grip that they have and they, they just doesn't handle as good through the corners as uh, say well obviously the Mercedes for one and uh, and and a number of other cars is I really wonder how much Sebastian Vettel is not suited to the the SF90 this year and uh, how much um, it, it just really is a difficult car to drive and get it to do the things that he wants to do. I mean, it's one thing if you don't have a lot, a lot of grip in the car and downforce in the car, but also if the tires aren't getting up to temperature, I mean, you're going to be lacking the grip, just the, the mechanical grip from the from the tires itself. So it will be interesting to see over time if uh, what Sebastian has to say and if, uh, and, and next year when, uh, when the new car comes out, are they going to be able to rectify the problems and the, the issues that they had this year? Because, I mean... We can sit here and talk about it until the cows come home, uh, just uh, how frustrating and disappointing uh, for, for the Ferrari drivers it must be. But, I mean, Charles is uh, managing to to get things done with it, or he did this past weekend uh, anyways. But that was a, a lot of the case uh, last year, too, when uh, when Charles with, uh, was uh, still driving for Sauber Alfa Romeo and his uh, teammate uh, Marcus Erickson. Of course, uh, that car, the C37 or whatever it was called, uh, was obviously not one of the best cars on the grid. But be that as it may, Charles was still able to get more out of that car and uh, and perform a much uh, uh, much better in it uh, than uh, than Marcus Erickson was. And he's uh, proving the, the the same again with uh, with Sebastian Vettel this year. I mean, it, it really is quite amazing how uh, how he's really settled in. I mean, he's he's had some difficult mo- uh, moments. I mean, we're not, I'm not going to deny that at all. I mean, uh, Bahrain is one. The frustrations and the bitter disappointment uh, in, in Monaco and just how that was just a disaster for him at his uh, at his uh, home Grand Prix. And there are other uh, instances uh, of that as well. But I mean, overall, I mean. I think uh, Charles Leclerc has lived up to the to uh, to the hype to the expectations uh, this year, and uh, when you think about it, I mean, for a guy that's uh, just into one of the big teams for the first time and has only just got over a dozen races under his belt, I mean, he really has done some phenomenal things. I mean, he's only won one race, but it could have been uh, a couple of more easily if uh, if things had worked out. Uh, a little bit different. But anyway, so let's just uh, go back to uh, what we were just talking about uh, a little bit earlier. And uh, because now we have the, uh, the the race behind us, we should just uh, quickly uh, talk about the, the the standings in the drivers in the world uh, and the Constructors uh, Championship uh, before we head into the break. But uh, I still want to talk about a bunch of other things that went on in the race itself. But uh, first of all, the, the, the Drivers' Championship, uh, Lewis Hamilton still running away with it, 65 points ahead of his uh, teammate Valtteri Bottas. Lewis on top now with 268 points, Valtteri Bottas 203, Max Verstappen in third position with 181, even though he didn't score a single point, still manages to, to stay ahead of uh, Sebastian Vettel in the world champion, and uh, Seb currently fourth with 169 points, and Charles Leclerc 
rounding out the top five with 157. And on the constructor side, again, it is uh, Mercedes just uh, running away with it this time. They didn't get the maximum points uh, with a 1-2 finish, but still second and third is uh, not all that bad. Uh, Mercedes miles and miles ahead of everyone else. 471 points in the constructors, followed by Ferrari with 326, Red Bull third with 254, and McLaren. 82 points for fourth in the world championship and uh, Toro Rosso catching up slightly. They now have 51 points, which is uh, good enough for fifth position in the world championship or in the constructors championship. So uh, good to see. So talking a little bit uh, more about uh, Italy and uh, well, actually, I think I'm going to jump into a quick break here since we're already 15 minutes into it. I want to talk about Max Verstappen and Kimi Raikkonen and we'll do that in just a moment. And so please don't go away. We'll be right back after a short message from our sponsors. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, welcome back to Scuderia F1 here on the Overtime Media Network. Coming to you once again from the Vivid Seat Studio. Mark Daly here talking to you about uh, the Belgian Grand Prix. And I want to talk now about Kimi Raikkonen and Max Verstappen. Lap one, turn one, it all comes to an end for Max. Well, he made it a couple more corners before he crashed out due to a, a broken steering arm in an incident which I think you can only lay the blame at Max Verstappen's uh, feet. Uh, he did uh, talk to the media after his accident. He was back in the pit lane. I mean, he was a little bit... I mean, he admitted sort of roundabouts and kind of that it was his fault, but he still laid some blame at the uh, at the feet of Kimi Raikkonen. And I don't really think that's uh, entirely fair. I mean, we know that that's a corner where it's uh, ended in tears for so many people. I mean, there have been so many accidents uh, there down the year. I mean, just go back a year ago, there was that uh, uh, opening lap uh, crash that all was uh, kicked off by uh, Nico Hulkenberg getting a little out of shape and leaving his braking too late. And that ended up in... Um, Fernando Alonso being launched airborne and then come crashing down on the the, the halo of uh, Charles Leclerc and then well that ended the race for a couple of guys right then and there so there is a history at that corner and Max once again gets a bad start loses uh, some ground uh, right at the start there when the lights went green but I mean he was being very optimistic and when you look at the replay and you see where Max comes uh, uh, comes from trying to make that overtake uh, take on Kimi Raikkonen I mean the geometry is all wrong I mean even if he managed to get in front of that I mean uh, Kimi Raikkonen there he was going to shoot straight across the, the the track I mean chances are I think there might have been a coming together or the loss of a front wing even if he managed to stick his nose and uh, and Kimi eased off but realistically speaking I mean the way that he tucked up on 
the inside. We all know how Max is uh, going to take uh, or make a move on someone. I mean, if you give him an inch, he's going to take a mile. I mean, any glimpse of daylight that he gets going into a corner, I mean, you know that Max is going to go for it. But just uh, there and just the, the, the position and just how far back he was, I don't think that Kimi Raikkonen had any chance of seeing him uh, just uh, where he was. And by the time he was turning in, I mean, Max wouldn't have even been in his uh, in his rearview mirror. So I think uh, that you have to lay all, the, lay all the blame there for Max Verstappen. I mean, Max, uh, of course, right on the radio saying something to the effect of, oh, he cut me off or, you know, what's he doing? But uh, for me, I think Max has got to own that one. And disappointing, I mean... Uh, I think it might have been a little bit of a stretch for Max to win this one, but certainly, I mean, we've seen that the the the, the Red Bulls are more than a match for the Ferraris, so uh, it would have. Uh, I, I think he's uh, denied us, uh, unfortunately, of his uh, his presence, his participation in the race, and uh, some of the things that he could have done. Because I mean, the way that Sebastian Vettel was struggling, I think for sure that uh, he would have been able to, uh, to 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 fight with him. And uh, I mean, there wasn't really all that much uh, big of a difference uh, between Ferrari and Mercedes for. A quite a bit so I mean I think that uh, that Max uh, would have been I think a pretty good candidate for a podium out of uh, all that one I don't know if he would have been uh, speedy enough to keep up uh, or, or stick his nose in there with uh, Lewis Hamilton and then Charles Leclerc and maybe try and uh, have a shot at the win but uh, I think that uh, he had a legit shot for uh, uh, chal- uh, challenging um, Sebastian Vettel and also uh, Valtteri Bottas who kind of got through the race without really making any headlines good or bad i mean a bit of a a bland result but uh i guess uh you know he's still got a podium still getting more points for the team and you know he just uh, got a one-year extension on his contract at uh, mercedes which is uh, something we've been speculating wondering about for for a long long time but uh, a fairly uneventful race for him but yeah i mean max i think that was a bit of a throwback to a, the, the more impatient max the less mature max of maybe a year and a half uh, or, or or definitely pre-monaco 2018 uh, Max Verstappen that that looked like a little bit of a too much of an impulsive move and then ju- just the way that uh, once they they went uh, through Eau Rouge into Radeon uh, you, you could tell that the, there was something seriously wrong with the car and there there was damage to the front suspension on the left hand side and, uh, and and damage to the steering arm and I mean he just kind of glided off the track and went into the into the into the barriers there and that was the end of his race and I mean Kimi Raikkonen too I mean the the whole section of floor was um, basically missing in that uh, corner of the car and his race was obviously severely uh, severely compromised after that and uh, it was just uh, too much uh, for, for him to, to come back and uh, and and really have a decent uh, afternoon or run it uh, at anything after that and um, it, it was unfortunate I mean uh, Kimi had kind of shown a couple of things I know he's been uh, struggling a little bit uh, apparently he'd hurt himself in a motocross accident uh, during the summer break and then uh, he gets into it with a bit of an altercation apparently with a, a drunken lout uh, in the in, in the pit lane or behind the, the the pit lane there during the weekend so uh, it was disappointing from both of them and uh, hopefully Max comes back uh, and makes up for that uh, this weekend I mean there were tens of thousands of Dutch fans Max Verstappen uh, fans around Spa Francochamps and uh, I'm sure every single one of them uh, went home disappointed uh, when their boy didn't even make it around a full lap uh, at the at the start of the race but we'll move ahead and, and we'll move away from Spa at the moment although there there were 
were still plenty of other exciting things that we saw. I mean, um, uh, Antonio Giovinazzi making a, a very impressive uh, move to pass uh, Danny Ricardo, as it's uh, so many other people. Renault, not not a good look for them uh, again this uh, weekend. Uh, I know that. Uh, well, we'll talk about it a little bit later. But uh, uh, Ricardo uh, talking, uh, saying that uh, he felt that uh, it was a, a step forward uh, for them at Spa this past weekend. But uh, yeah, Giovinazzi and uh, Alex Albon. Uh, you know, making some or contradicting that statement at the very least. But I, w- I want to talk a little bit more uh, about some of the other news going around uh, Formula One at uh, at the moment. And well, I mean, where do we really start? There, there is uh, quite a lot of them. Uh, well, the first news we should start with is that uh, Monza, the Italian Grand Prix or the home of the Gra- Italian Grand Prix, has just secured a new contract to stay on the F1 calendar for five more years. And that was announced a little bit uh, earlier this week and well I think that's great news because uh, I mean and I know I sound like a broken record at times but the Italian Grand Prix at Monza for, for me is one of those traditional races that just has to be on the calendar each and every year. It's just one of those places that I can't uh, really picture uh, a Formula One race season uh, without it. So uh, glad to hear that uh, that it's been renewed. And of course, it is a part of the record 22 race calendar, which uh, was announced uh, just over a week, uh, a week ago. I mean, we're going into uncharted uh, territories. I mean, we've seen 20 races, 21 races, uh, a number of times over the past uh, several years but 22 races next year really looking forward to that and uh, and really pumped up and glad that uh, Mons is going to be a part of it uh, for a long long time to come all right and well in other news so th- this is uh, an interesting one. Apparently, the uh, the TV audience for Formula One in the United States of America is up 20% in 2019 this year. And uh, this uh, comes from uh, ESPN, who have the, the, the rights to broadcast Formula One in the USA. And uh, says that the increased popularity with uh, last week's uh, Belgian Grand Prix has pulled in an average of 660,000 viewers on ESPN2. And that's a 37% e- uh, increase. Uh, over the Belgian Grand Prix from just uh, a year ago, and then 29% up on the uh, the, the, the viewership that was on uh, NBCSN in in 2017 so that's really great and also it uh, exceeded the um, well the the biggest uh, event that i can tell was uh, espn's uh, audience of 695,000 viewers uh for watching a, a race way back in uh, in 1995 but uh, it actually uh, the audience peaked at uh, quite a bit uh, at uh, 770,000 almost 770,000 viewers uh well uh, charles went on to to win his formula 1 win and it's, it's great to see i mean the thing is we all know that America Americans love cars every, and, and sports and, and, and racing and motorsport in general. But it really is interesting to see that uh, it, it is trending upwards uh, like that. And it, all the more interesting is that there is only, at the moment, one uh, U.S. Grand Prix. I mean, uh, the, the Circuit of Americas in Austin, Texas is one uh, one track I really enjoy. I mean, there's some uh, been some good races there over the past couple of years. And it kind of really uh, adds fuel to the fire. I mean, we've had this discussion uh, on the on the show before. I mean, the uh, the, the 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 talks to get a second Grand Prix in the states uh, in in Miami. I mean, that's still ongoing. It looked like it was dead because some of the opposition and problems they were having at the local level to get uh, the the race sorted out and uh, and get going there. Because I mean, at one point it sounded like it was almost like a sure lock to have a, a race in Miami for 2020, and then it very quickly flamed out, and then it sort of come back to life again. But I mean, there have been other places that have mentioned New York's been one Vegas has been one so I mean the certainly the appetite seems to be there I mean um, 
that the 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 race at uh, at the Circuit of the Americas always seems to be very well attended, and uh, I'm sure that would be the case uh, anywhere else. I mean, if the, they were able to to get a, a race in Vegas, be it a street circuit or some sort of a purpose built track out there, whatever the, the the case may be. I mean, I can't think of a better long weekend. I mean, a lot of people uh, where I live in Vancouver, I mean, lots of people go down for a long uh, weekend to Vegas. I mean, it's only a couple hour flight from here. I mean, Formula One in Vegas sounds like a great long weekend to me. I mean, you know, count me in. So it uh, it certainly is. I think it's encouraging, too, to see that uh, despite all the criticism and the negativity that we see around Formula One, uh, a lot of it's deserved. Let's uh, let's be honest, and uh, some of it I think is uh, maybe a little bit unfair. But uh, sometimes I think when uh, once you get a reputation for for something, then rightly or wrongly, sometimes uh, it just sort of uh, it sort of seems to uh, snowball and, and build up on you. But uh, despite all the things that they've had, I mean, we've had some good races this year. Uh, it, it obviously didn't start uh, very excitingly. It wasn't very good. I mean, what with the, it looked like Mercedes were just going to walk away with it, and the championship would be over by the time we even made it back to Europe at the, the the beginning of the summer. But slowly but surely, I mean, they they faltered here and there. They they're not as uh, ironclad and as strong as uh, that we like to think or talk about at times. And uh, Mercedes uh, have um, have dropped some races here and there. I mean, they just uh, were knocked. Uh, not the fastest cars in Austria. Max got a win there, and of course, they were really the the uh, the, the the victims of the the circumstances in Germany a couple of weeks ago, which was their their two hundredth uh, race in Formula One, and that was uh, you know frustrating and disappointing and quite embarrassing to see their cars sliding off and in the gravel and in the tire wall and stuff like that. But other drivers have been able to win, and I think that uh, just that on top of it, we've also seen some uh, some more exciting races in the past. Uh, two, two and a half months. And uh, it, it is good to see that uh, despite all the criticisms that uh, the TV numbers are up, and it really uh, asks the question that if uh, Formula One can get it right with all these regs that they're trying to come out with and uh, perfect and finalize for, for 2020, or sorry, 2021, what uh, where, where the potential is. I mean, uh, the people are starting to tune in. People are starting to get interested. Maybe some people are starting to get uh, reinterested and get to, you know reacquainted with Formula One uh, in in the states again, so obviously it's a huge, huge market, and I think that those are, are numbers that um, that the, the the big wigs at Formula One really need to sit up and pay attention to, and see what else uh, they can do to, uh, to to keep growing it. I mean, there's there's obviously lots of room for growth, not just in the states, uh, but uh, but every any, everywhere else around the world. I mean, Asia is another market, so uh, it'll be interesting to see where they uh, they they take it from here. All right, so next item up is. And, well, this uh, should be fairly self-explanatory, and that is that uh, Charles Leclerc says that he feels quite a bit of weight has been lifted off of his shoulders uh, for after winning his first race in uh, Spa-Francorchamps over the past uh, weekend. And uh, as I said off the top of the show, it certainly was a long time coming. And uh, after he was robbed of victory by uh, mechanical issues in uh, in Bahrain and then uh, being, well, I mean, everybody was outraced and out uh, and pushed out of the way by Max Verstappen at one point or another at, uh, at the Austrian Grand Prix. But uh, that was, uh, you know, two strikes uh, I guess in uh, Charles Leclerc's eyes, and I was starting to wonder. Well, you know, is is it ever going to happen for the guy this year? Because it, it you know, once we got past Austria, and uh, you know, we get to a couple more Mercedes wins here and there, you kind of have to start uh, asking yourself. And I'm sure that uh, Charles was thinking it too. Gosh, you know, I had a couple of opportunities to win my first race this year, and it hasn't worked out. And Mercedes has been so much better than we are, and we just don't have the the, the car that's capable of winning races. 
is it ever going to happen for me this year? And well, the answer was it did eventually for Charles Leclerc. And he looked pretty damn good doing it as well. I mean, he was uh, very good in qualifying. I mean, to, to take another pole position. And uh, he's, he's uh, done that a couple of times this year. And just uh, very, very mature, I thought. Uh, a very mature drive. And I think that it was played very well by Ferrari as well. I think that, uh, you know, talking back, uh, like, like we were talking about uh, before uh, the break in the first segment, uh, Sebastian Vettel and uh, Charles Leclerc playing that uh, very, very nicely. And uh, I'm kind of jumping ahead a little bit of myself in my notes here, but this is, uh, I, I guess, a little bit more, uh, you know, uh, fitting at this point. And um, Sebastian Vettel says that uh, collab- or, uh, collaborating with uh, Leclerc is the key to coming uh, overcoming Mercedes. And I think that uh, that is a very good point. I think that especially this year, I think they have to do what they can to try and win races. And uh, Sebastian uh, did play like an excellent starting role. I mean, ideally, they'll be able to get back uh, onto the, a similar competitive footing uh, with Mercedes like they had over the past couple of years, last year especially. <clears throat> Excuse me, but uh, and then uh, you know both of them will be in a good uh, position to, to to fight for it because I mean usually, I mean let's be fair. I mean uh, any given Sunday, Lewis Hamilton and Valtteri Bottas both have a car that is capable of uh, of winning a race, and they should be able to do so in in quite dominating fashion. And we've seen that not that uh, just this year, but uh, many times over uh, well <laughs> basically since 2014, either Lewis Hamilton and Nico Rosberg or Lewis Hamilton and Valtteri Bottas. Uh, take your pick. But it's going to be up to everyone else to to really work uh, you know, hard to catch up with them. And Ferrari proved last year, especially up until Spa and uh, and Monza. And I'll talk about this a little bit more when we talk about the Italian Grand Prix. Is that uh, w- once their challenge started to fade and the cracks really started to show up in Ferrari season, then it was a bit of a different story. And and, and I think that uh, they by and large became uh, their own worst uh, worst enemy. I mean, I've been very critical about uh, Sebastian Vettel and the mistakes that he made last year. But I mean, as much as it was his fault for for some of the things that happened. I mean, the, some of the clashes he had, uh, you know, the comings together with Max Verstappen in Japan, that was one. I mean, um, in Austin was another one. I mean, the, the team let him down as well with uh, slightly below par uh, tactics and strategies in, in the race and stuff like that. So they were all complicit. But if they can get back on to um, a more competitive footing, and, and even if they don't, I mean, if there's an opportunity where one guy is uh, is able to support the other and still go for a race win and season where i mean let's be honest i mean they're not going to win the constructors championship and one of their drivers is not going to be uh the the world champion this year either but just uh, from the point of uh, building some momentum and getting some confidence back into the team a team that was uh, looking that had a car that looked so good through the first half of uh, last season um it it really is disappointing and if they can start to do anything that uh, I, i think starts going back towards that even if uh, it means it's a result similar to like uh, we saw in spa where one, one driver helps the other one goes on to the race win while the other guy finishes down the the, the, the race order a little bit like Vettel I mean he was fourth in a country mile behind uh, so, or sorry uh, uh, Valtteri Bottas in, in third place I think you got to take that I think wins are wins it doesn't really matter how you get them and I think that uh, the, the, the bigger picture of uh, you know Ferrari winning uh, and, and their drivers winning no matter how they 
they do it has to be the uh, the, the the bigger objective. But it is interesting, though. I mean, uh, despite all the things that uh, have happened, uh, Luca di Montezemolo has uh, said uh, that uh, despite everything that's gone on, Sebastian Vettel is not their number two driver. We'll talk a little bit uh, more about that in just a moment after we take a short break here on the Overtime Media Network. Uh, Don't go away. We'll be back in just a moment. All right. Well, welcome back to the program. And uh, we're talking about uh, Ferrari and Sebastian Vettel. But first of all, it was the opening night of the National Football League here. And uh, great to see it back. And if you were one of the uh, the lucky people to go watch the Chicago Bears and the Green Bay Packers at Soldier Field this uh, this evening, I'm really jealous of you. But don't worry about that because uh, we've teamed up with Vivid Seats and uh, with, with uh, more games coming up uh, this weekend. Head on over to their sites, vividseats.com. Use the promo code OVERTIME in their mobile app and save up to $100 on all ticket purchases for first-time customers only. So that's great. I love the NFL. For me, this is a great time of year, being the sports fan that I am. Formula One, baseball's going, football's going, hockey and basketball are right around the corner. So, you know, it gets to a point that I have to really prioritize my free time because it can get eaten up really quickly with all the things that uh, that are going on. So anyway, so let's talk uh, now a little bit more what I was hinting to uh, before the break. And that is uh, Luca Di Montezemolo was saying that uh, even though that Sebastian Vettel has not won a race in more than 12 months, last time he won was at uh, the Belgian Grand Prix back in 2018. And that was a very impressive win. Uh, again, Ferrari was uh, was quite dominant, uh, that had the advantage over over uh, uh, Mercedes that uh, that uh, that weekend and Sebastian was able to stay out and keep uh, Lewis Hamilton at arm's length uh, for the entire race and it really I thought for me was was a good way for them to start and, and a good way for Sebastian to start the second half to the season because uh, before that we had the uh, uh, Hungarian Grand Prix and uh, they were just a, a mile behind Lewis Hamilton after uh, Valtteri Bottas played mobile roadblock for so, such a long time that by, by the time both of the Ferraris got around him the Raikkonen and, and Vettel were just not able to make up any meaningful ground on, on Lewis Hamilton in, the, in that race and that was a bit of a, a frustrating way to go into the summer break after of course uh, previous to that was the German Grand Prix and that's when uh, Sebastian slid off a uh, slippery circuit uh, during a rain shower and uh, put it into the the gravel in the stadium section there but they came back I thought it was a very solid race and it has been a long time coming uh, for Sebastian Vettel and sometimes I, I sit there and I watch and see and especially this past weekend I kind of think to myself well, have we seen peak Sebastian Vettel will he ever win another race again for Ferrari I mean being a little bit uh, dramatic here and uh, I, I just uh, start to wonder now I mean well have, is he going to get another shot at the world championship i mean he's got four under his belt i mean he obviously wants to win one at ferrari i mean i think any driver who goes to ferrari i think that's got to be the 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 big goal in mind i mean everybody wants to be world champion but if you're a a driver at ferrari i think it would just be that much sweeter if you could get your world champion uh, or win the world championship as a ferrari driver but seeing the bad luck that he's had and some of his own faults some of the team some of the combined and just the, the the way that he just really seems stuck in a rut. It just uh, I, I keep asking myself this question until he you know he wins another race. I'll probably ask myself that each and every weekend as to whether or not he's going to be able to win another race and whether or not he'll be able to win the world championship again. I think obviously that uh, that he's got what it takes to win a race again. Whether or not. <clears throat> 
excuse me, he's in a good position now to challenge for a, another world championship is a, a really a good point for discussion because uh, Charles Leclerc has obviously come into the team this year and been very impressive through the first uh, dozen, 13 racers or so. Uh, took a little while to get that first uh, race victory, but you know, he's not the best driver out there anymore. He might not even be the best driver in his own team. I mean, it might be a little bit sacrilegious uh, for me to say that. I mean, the, you know, the Sebastian Vettel fanboys might be uh, a little bit upset, uh, you know, for me to say that. But I mean, it, I think it's a, a legit uh, question to ask. And uh, uh, I, I haven't uh, got the stats in front of me this uh, right now, but I really would be interested to see what the split is between uh, Vettel and Leclerc, especially in, in, in qualifying. It seems uh, over the course of one lap that that, uh, that um, um, Leclerc has the advantage over Sebastian Vettel. And I know that, uh, you know, they, they both have equal equipment, but Charles just able, seems to be able to get more out of uh, equipment that might uh, might not be completely optimal uh, than, um, than, than it's supposed to be. I mean, uh, we were talking a little bit earlier about uh, how he was better than Marcus Ericsson last year with the Sauber, and this year, at times, he's better than Sebastian Vettel. I mean, uh, Vettel, of course, had uh, two very, very good races in uh, in Hungary and Germany and scored points there. And uh, actually, well, I mean, he took points away from Charles at uh, the the Hungarian Grand Prix because, I mean, his pit strategy, his uh, his tactics for that race, I thought were completely on point. He stopped for another uh, pit stop when, when other people uh, had chosen only to do one. I mean, he was uh, quite a long ways behind um, uh, Charles after the second pit stop, some 25, maybe even closer to 30 seconds. But I mean, he took huge chunks out of his time, was able to erase that deficit. And then when it came down to it, I mean, he really passed his teammate uh, with with, uh, with ease. But it, it is interesting when you have somebody that, uh, you know, with the stature of Luca Di Montezemolo to, to come out and uh, and say that uh, Vettel shouldn't be uh, written off as a number two driver. And uh, he believes that he has all, all the, the, the skill and the talents that, that is needed to bounce back in, in, in Formula One. And uh, Di Montezemolo said that uh, that, that uh, the, the role that uh, Vettel played in assisting uh, Leclerc, uh, Leclerc's uh, victory at Spa was uh, shouldn't be underestimated. And uh, he, he went on to say that uh, Sebastian was crucial for the victory. And I think that's uh, something that uh, most of us uh, would uh, would agree with. But uh, he goes on to say, and I quote, I think without Sebastian, it would have been it would be it was very difficult uh, for Leclerc to win the race. Very difficult because Sebastian was able to hold back Lewis Hamilton for a few laps. Sebastian, for me, is still a very, very good. I think the pair of drivers is very good. In the normal life, you have some moments with some difficulties. But I'm sure he has all the characteristics to come back, I hope very soon, and I hope in a few days. And uh, he goes on um, to talk uh, more about that. And he says, uh, Vettel is not a number two. Vettel is a number one. And Leclerc is in the process to be a number one. So it is good to have two number ones. And I think uh, Luca has completely nailed it uh, there. I, I agree with that uh, 100%. I mean, uh, Vettel obviously mired in, in, in a rut that uh, he's been in probably way longer than he's comfortable or wish that he was in. But certainly he has the talent. I mean, he is not a four-time world champion by some uh, fluke or by some some accident. I mean, uh, he's got real talent. He is with the top team. Okay, they don't have the greatest car, the best car this year, but uh, he's got to be motivated. <laughs> he is motivated. I mean, uh, you know, he's now one championship uh, behind Lewis Hamilton last year. They were tied on four. And so Lewis went on to win number five. Looks like he's uh, odd on favorites uh, to win uh, world championship number six. I think that uh, Vettel w- would be 
looking at that keenly and thinking, you know, I, I can do that too. Uh, you know, it's just not working out at the moment, but uh, I want that uh, that uh, that victory is or sorry that uh, fifth world championship at least. Want to get it with Ferrari. I mean, he's a big fan of Michael Schumacher, and we all know what Schumacher and Ferrari did together in the early two thousands. I mean, it was um, precedent setting. I mean, uh, Ferrari, uh, sorry, Mercedes and Lewis Hamilton are on course to do something similar. And uh, I, I at one point thought that um, uh, Schumacher's seven world championships were were unassailable. But uh, last year, after Lewis won number five, I started thinking, okay, well, it's it's within reach now. And if uh, things keep going the way that they're going at Mercedes, that uh, it's a real danger for those of you that are Schumacher fans that that record may fall sooner rather than later. I mean, uh, this year, and uh, it's 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 Lewis's championship to lose. I can't see him blowing it now, not with a 65-point lead, not with a car that he has. And then, of course, next year coming back, I mean, can we really write off Mercedes? No, of course not. They've just proven too good for too long, over too many years. And uh, you always have to consider Lewis in a Mercedes odds-on favor to, to, to win the, uh, the world championship. But, of course, that's one motivation for, for Sebastian Vettel. And, of course, uh, he wants to be better than his teammate. I think that uh, he's going to do everything that he want, needs to do to stay ahead and, and keep ahead of uh, Charles Leclerc. I'm sure on a one-off that, uh, that he's happy to, to uh, play the supporting role. I mean, uh, who doesn't like or, or want to see uh, a young up-and-comer have some uh, some success? I mean, it was a great moment to see that uh, for Charles Leclerc. I mean, he is obviously the future, the, maybe the future of uh, Formula One, maybe the future of Ferrari, maybe the future of both. I mean, uh, there's certainly, I mean, he has uh, really uh, not tapped the, the ceiling of his uh, potential yet. And at uh, 21, 22 years of age, whatever uh, Charles Leclerc is, there is a lot uh, of racing, uh, a lot of years left for him in Formula One. And uh, there is still a lot more to write in that story. And I still think that there is a lot uh, for Sebastian Vettel to, to write in his own story. So we'll have to wait and see how it goes. I mean, uh, this would be a, a great time uh, this weekend uh, for for them to turn it around and I, I still think that they have uh, a legit shot to win that one and uh, like, like I say it's another power circuit not too many uh, technical or twisty sections in the track I mean it's a, it's a minimum there I mean it's basically flat out all the way but uh, they, they really need to uh, to do themselves a, a favor I mean last year um, Hamilton uh, and, uh, and uh, Vettel getting tangled up uh, towards the um, you know just only halfway around the first lap I mean that was more uh, obviously Vettel's fault than, uh, than Hamilton's shouldn't have happened. I mean, Vettel should have been a little bit smarter about that, but there was a bit of a disadvantage from his. I'll talk about that uh, a little bit later when we talk a little bit more about the uh, uh, Italian Grand Prix right at, uh, at the end of the show here. But uh, just a couple of other things before we go into the break. And uh, first of all, uh, there's a, well, these are all kind of some uh, Danny Ricardo themed uh, stories. And first of all, he said that he was bothered by the uh, the, the crowded spot for Ancachon cheering of uh, Lewis Hamilton when he crashed in um, in practice. And uh, he said that uh, he urged uh, the, the spectators to behave better and act like uh, what he called true fans rather than celebrate crashes as they did uh, when uh, people started cheering after Lewis Hamilton uh, crashed in, uh, in 
in practice on Friday and uh, went off. It was a bit of a, a weird one, uh, just the way that uh, Lewis went off of the track and was just not able to bring the car to a halt before he hit the, the, the tire barrier. And um, Formula One seems to be a little bit different than other sports. I mean, uh, we're all used to, to booing and jeering in other sports, especially sometimes if the uh, the, the opponent is, uh, is struggling a little bit. I mean, we're used to seeing and hearing cheering in Formula One, but uh, usually uh, that's uh, reserved more for when uh, you know somebody passes uh, somebody else. I mean, let's go back to Austria and all the Dutch fans there and everybody really making a lot of noise, especially as Max was carving his way through the field uh, en route to, to, to victory. So I, I really don't know uh, where to, to to really weigh in on onto this one. Uh, on, on one hand, I can understand uh, Ricardo uh, saying that, uh, you know, it's, it's not the way that we do things in, in Formula One. But I mean, like so, so many other sports uh, out there, you know, like... Uh, People don't get a free pass, and uh, should uh, sh- should Formula One be uh, any any different? I mean, you don't really want to celebrate in somebody's misery, or if somebody gets hurt. Obviously, we don't uh, want to do anything like that. So, a bit of a, an interesting uh, comment from Daniel Ricardo. Anyways, time for a final break here on the program this week. We're going to start closing it down after this, but uh, there's still a couple more things to talk about, including what's going to happen at uh, the Italian Grand Prix this weekend. So don't go away. We'll be back in just one moment. All right, welcome back to Scootery F1 here in the Vivid Seats studio. So let's talk a little bit more about uh, what uh, Danny Ricardo is saying, that uh, that Spa was a boost for Renault despite no points. And I don't know, I guess is this a, kind of the glass is half full or the glass is half empty? I think it's a, a little bit... I don't want to say it's a bit of a boast, but I guess he obviously sees something uh, in it. But it really, for me, seems a bit of an odd comment. I mean, they just have not been able to get it right uh, all year. And uh, they they just uh, continue to struggle. And uh, the the, the way that uh, he was passed uh, several times uh, throughout uh, that race, I mean, it was uh, made to, I wouldn't say look foolish, but I mean, he uh, obviously was at at a deficit uh, when compared to some of the other drivers. So interesting that... uh, Ricardo should uh, weigh in with uh, with, with that uh, you know that uh, you know that <laughs> that sentiment, and uh, he says, uh, "quote uh, for the weekend uh, itself, I think it was a very very strong weekend for us on pace, and coming into some of these more low low downforce circuits like Monza and that, I think it's promising. So we've just got to keep it rolling. Obviously, we've missed out on double points. I think we could have uh, had a good handful, but we'll move on. So." He did say that uh, that he had some problems with lack of downforce that he suffered because he was hit by Stroll uh, on the opening um, uh, lap of the race. Uh, there was just kind of in that, uh, uh, as everybody kind of got out uh, through uh, turn one at La Source there and uh, started to spread out a little bit, he did get uh, tapped a little bit uh, by uh, by uh, Lance Stroll. So obviously he believes that uh, there was enough damage uh, done to the car that it interfered uh, with uh, with, the, with the downforce and uh, was uh, very, uh, you know, led to... To what uh, uh, you know wasn't maybe the the, the greatest um, you know finish uh, for him, but uh, certainly he feels like uh, that uh, <laughs> there was uh, some positives. But talking now about his teammate uh, Nico Hulkenberg, and of course last week I talked about the, uh, the 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 rumor that was out there that he might get uh, replaced by uh, Esteban Ocon at Renault for next year, and it was all rumors. And literally after the show went out <laughs> available for download, the news actually was official that uh, that that uh, Hulkenberg is out. Uh, 
at Renault for 2020 and will be replaced by uh, Esteban Ocon. And of course, I didn't mention I mentioned it last year. It makes total sense. French driver in a French team with a French car with a French engine. It just makes sense. I mean, it is a bit of a risk in a, in, in one regard because I mean Esteban Ocon only has a year and a bit of Formula One under his belt, but he has proven in that time that uh, he is a very talented driver. And if he can uh, get a good car at Renault, which uh, you know they've been promising and hinting towards for for many many years now, but just haven't been able to uh, deliver, uh, really makes me wonder what uh, what Esteban Ocon could do, and also uh, Danny Ricardo. And I, I'm just gonna just gonna go off on a bit of a tangent here before I come back to uh, to talk about uh, Nico Hulkenberg. But the the um, there were some court filings that were released uh, earlier this week, and this is uh, to do with uh, uh, there's a lawsuit from uh, Ricardo's former agent, and you know all this breach of contract and stuff like that. But some of the interesting things that uh, that came out uh, as a result of that, and this was tweeted out uh, by uh, Formula Money at Formula Money on Twitter. And some of the highlights that uh, that they found in there was uh, Renault promised uh, Danny Ricardo the, the Formula One car, which will help him win his, uh, his first race uh, or for them. And then uh, Ricardo was offered an appearance fee to star on the Drive to Survive series on Netflix, which he fe- featured in quite uh, prominently uh, last year in season one. I don't know. It doesn't really specifically say which uh, year that. So Ricardo was also uh, in talks to be uh, an ambassador for Huawei, the uh, mobile phone uh, provider. And then um, there was uh, a whole bunch of uh, benefits that uh, were itemized as well. But those were a couple of the uh, the, the interesting ones that uh, that came out there. So some big things there, you know, promising a car that will uh, win races and uh, and things like that. So uh, I, I really don't know what to, to, to make about that. I mean, uh, certainly they have to deliver a lot more. But anyways, going back to Nico Hulkenberg, of course, he's out at, uh, at Renault for, for next year. And he seems rather relaxed kind of nonchalant about uh, a deal for 2020 and uh, he says uh, on his uh, own own behalf on the situation that there's no urgency in sealing a 2020 deal uh, at the moment uh, so he says uh, that there are a lot of options out there I mean there's uh, potential openings at Haas uh, you know Grosjean is the name that uh, kind of seems to be uh, getting thrown around there that might be on the chopping block there I mean he's had plenty of cracks at Formula One he's had plenty of cracks at uh you know, getting it uh, done with uh, with Haas F1 hasn't really worked out, and I mean, Grosjean has made the headlines quite a few times over the year for all or over the years for a lot of the wrong reasons, and uh, so I could see him going uh, moving on from there. But um, Alfa Romeo is another uh, possibility. I mean, uh, Kimi Raikkonen has got one more year there in, in 2020, and then that's it. He's done. He's retiring from Formula One. Giovinazzi, disappointing. I mean, he hasn't been able to really get it done for them now. I mean, as of uh, going into the, uh, the, the the Belgian Grand Prix, uh, Giovinazzi had scored one out of the uh, 33 points uh, that uh, that uh, Alpha has in the Constructors' Championship, and Kimi had scored all other 32 points. So obviously that's all coming uh, from, from one guy, so you can see why they would want to make a, a change there. But the tantalizing one, and I think the interesting one uh, that's uh, out there is is Red Bull. I mean, uh, they they pulled the trigger once again. They have the, uh, the uh, history of it now. I mean, you do it once and get make a mid season driver change, then uh, that's just a one off. And now uh, you know replacing. <clears throat> 
And Pierre Gasly with Alex Albon uh, for for the remainder of 2019. That was a big thing as well. And uh, Albon, I mean, is he just there to fill in the seat? Is he there to uh, maybe uh, I don't, don't showcase himself uh, for the rest of the year, whatever you want to call that? Uh, and well, I mean, I guess it's a little bit of both, but. Like I say, I mean, with Red Bull, they they have a number of drivers they already know. I mean, uh, Kvyat, I think, has had a very good year so far for Toro Rosso. I mean, he's a name I think that's going to get uh, consideration. I mean, he was a, a bit of an afterthought, and let's be honest about that. I mean, they, they wanted to put other guys into uh, one of those cars, but uh, surprisingly, despite having a junior driver program, and all those things, uh, they, they have a, a severe lack of guys that uh, don't have uh, enough super points to qualify for, or sorry, yeah, they don't have enough points to, to qualify for their super license. So Danny Kvyat, fortunately, from his point of view, is able to slide back into a race seat uh, for, for 2019 after taking a year out and uh, being the simulator driver over at uh, Ferrari. So worked out nicely for him. So he's a known quantity, especially what he's done at uh, Toro Rosso, also what he uh, did previously with uh, Red Bull and the uh, several races there back in 2016 before he was uh, dumped and uh, replaced by Max Verstappen. But then uh, Alex Albon, I mean, it is his first year in Formula One. He gets uh, 10, 12 races, whatever it is, under his belt in the Toro Rosso. And I think he had a very good uh, debut for uh, Red Bull at uh, at Spa last weekend. Like I say, uh, it, it was a bit of a 50-50 thing. First half of the race, it was all right. Second half of the race uh, was uh, was much, much better. So he's uh, really, uh, re- not rehearsing, but uh, really uh, showcasing himself uh, to go out uh, and claim that race seat uh, for next year. But if you're Red Bull and a guy like Nico Hulkenberg is, uh, is, is available, I think you have to take a long, hard look at that. I mean, the Hulk has been in Formula One for a number of years, but never really with a team that had a legit shot of really being a, a contender to uh, really, uh, well, not just uh, win races, but uh, I mean, even score points. I mean, Force India during his time there, they, they had their moments. I mean, Renault over the past year and a bit, I mean, during his time there, I mean, so-so. I mean, they, they're good for some low point finishes from time to time. I mean, they're still a long way off of uh, being seriously able to challenge for for, 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 for podiums. But if you're a team like um, uh, uh, Red Bull and uh, you're kind of wondering, okay, what are we going to do for 2020? Do we put Gasly back in here? He didn't really get it done. Uh, Kvyat has done well for our, our junior team, our sister team at Toro Rosso. But uh, if we were to elevate him back to Red Bull, does he have the skills to, to get it done there? And, and if he can't, and is he going to be any better than, say, Alexander Albon or Pierre Gasly? That's a great question. But, I mean, would Nico Hulkenberg uh, be able to to get it done in a Red Bull? I mean, he's, uh, he's very highly thought of. He was won Le Mans a couple of years ago. So he's got a lot of, uh, you know, I think he's got a lot going for him. I think he's a good driver. And, uh, you know, just the fact that he's uh, raced over 150 Grand Prix and still doesn't have a podium for his name. Uh, a lot of people say that that doesn't really reflect how good of a driver he is. So I think uh, that is a space to watch to see whether or not uh, that is going to uh, become a thing and uh, whether or not uh, uh, Nico Hulkenberg is going to end up at uh, at Red Bull for, for 2020. I, I, I would like to see it, whether it happens, 
don't know if that's going to happen or not. Anyways, let's talk a little bit now uh, quickly about the uh, the Italian Grand Prix uh, before we uh, shut it down here. Just uh, some stats. It is a 53-lap race. The uh, circuit length is almost 5.8 kilometers long. Race uh, distance is just a hair under 307 kilometers. And Rubens Barrichello holds the lap record, which is a 121.046, which was set way back in 2004. The tires that uh, Pirelli are bringing this week are the uh, hard C2s, the medium C3s, and the soft C4s. So it's, um, again, power circuit. I mean, if you look at the uh, the the outline, the circuit map of uh, Monza, there are an awful lot of straight, uh, straight portions to it, and not really too many tight, twisty uh, uh, corners. I mean, uh, we, we have the uh, Redifilio. We have that right angle uh, chicane right at uh, the end of the start-finish straight, and it's all basically uh, flat out. I mean, when they go through Parabolica there, right at the end of the lap coming into the start-finish, absolutely spectacular stuff. So it's going to be good fun uh, to watch them. And uh, the the race uh, from last year, uh, it was uh, Lewis Hamilton uh, winning this one. Kimi Raikkonen in the Ferrari Valtteri Bottas in Mercedes uh, for rounding out uh, the top three. Sebastian Vettel, despite having a first lap coming together with uh, Lewis Hamilton in this one, managed to finish in uh, in fourth position. There was Max Verstappen, Esteban Ocon, Sergio Perez, Carlos Sainz, and then Lance Stroll in the in then racing for Williams, uh, rounding out the top ten. Oh, I beg your pardon. It was Lance Stroll and Sergei Sorotkin in the second uh, uh, Williams last year, coming home in ninth and tenth. And my goodness, uh, looking at uh, where Williams is uh, this year, I'm sure they would love to get a ninth and a tenth uh, position and you know, get some world championship uh, points. But uh, certainly that uh, seems like a very long time ago. But last year, in this one, uh, it was interesting because this, there was this predetermined uh, order that they had for the for the qualifying that uh, that uh, Ferrari had. So going out in Q three, it was uh, Sebastian Vettel that was ahead of uh, Kimi Raikkonen. And then Raikkonen, of course, gets the benefit of the toe, especially coming into the start-finish uh, straight, and it was very, very close. Raikkonen uh, setting a, a time in Q3 of a 119.119, which was good enough uh, for claiming pole, and that was just a whisker ahead of uh, Sebastian Vettel, who set a, a, a second-place time of 119.280, and then Lewis Hamilton uh, set uh, his time of a 119.294, so I mean... The three of them literally just uh, a hair apart uh, from the pole position to third. But uh, Vettel just uh, being uh, a little bit uh, disadvantaged uh, as having to go first in Q3 and then his, uh, his teammate getting the benefit of the toe. I mean, when they were that close, I mean, close it was just the slipstream that really benefit, uh, benefited uh, Kimi Raikkonen. And I couldn't help but wonder. And I mean, Sebastian, I mean, can only answer, answer for himself what he was thinking when he had that coming together with, uh, with Lewis Hamilton. Should he have backed off? Should he You've waited to, uh, uh, you know, uh, maybe try and uh, pass uh, Hamilton somewhere else. That's, uh, I mean, that's hindsight is twenty twenty. I can go back and revisit that one, uh, but certainly he should have uh, not have been in that position. I mean, he was the favorite. He was the guy that was contending for the world championship. So it was a, a bit of a, an odd thing for them to do. But they said that uh, they had their own way of uh, predetermining it, and it was uh, Raikkonen's uh, turn to uh, to do go out last go second in q3 and that's just uh, the, the way it was and i mean ultimately he wasn't able to hold on to it i mean he had uh, trouble 
uh, with the tires, but I mean, he wasn't able to, to hold off uh, Lewis Hamilton forever, but he was able to hold him off long enough and he was able to uh, hold him off and still managed to come home in in second position. I was thinking too that uh, at that, that time, I was saying earlier, as well, I sometimes wonder if Sebastian Vettel will ever win a race again. And I was thinking about with Kimi, you know, sort of coming to the end of his career. And I, I can't even remember if this was before he uh, had uh, announced he was going to Alfa Romeo, but I thought, well, maybe this is the last time we'll ever get to see uh, Kimi Raikkonen seriously challenging for a, a Grand Prix win. And uh, I was a little bit uh, disappointed after it was all said and done. I mean, all good on Lewis for, for, for winning that one. But I was disappointed that uh, that Raikkonen couldn't uh, actually go on to win that race. But we, we got, uh, got to see the Iceman uh, up on the top step of the podium just a couple of races later when he won the U.S. Grand Prix at uh, the Circuit of the Americas just a month or so later in, in that season. But it is... Uh, uh, you know, it it is a powerful or a power track, and again, I think the the real question is. Uh, it, it's not so much about the world championship. I mean, it is basically a foregone conclusion. We've been talking about that for quite a long time here on the program this year. I, th- I think it really is who's uh, making positive. Uh, or getting some positive momentum uh, for for next year, or even for this year, and I think the question is, any, can anybody other than Mercedes get it done? And after seeing what uh, Ferrari was able to do last week at Spa, can they continue what they started last week? Was it just a one-off, or will the uh, the, the flat-out circumstances? of uh, Monza be uh, beneficial to them and uh, will they be able to keep the uh, the the, uh, the 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 momentum going and of course if a Ferrari is to to win is it going to be Vettel is it going to be Leclerc if uh, Leclerc is leading that race and uh, Sebastian is uh, is stuck behind him you know do team orders come into effect and that is a is a great uh, question Anyways, just uh, some more stats about uh, the Italian Grand Prix. There are two drivers that have won it uh, five times each. And fittingly, it is the two gentlemen we were talking about uh, a little bit earlier. Who's going to be the number one by the time it's all said and done in terms of world championships? And that's Michael Schumacher and Lewis Hamilton. Lewis, of course, has won it... um, Quite a few times in recent years. He's won it four times since 2014, most recently last year. So he's going for three in a row uh, this uh, this weekend at Monza. And then uh, Nelson Piquet won it uh, four times in the 80s. And there's a number of drivers that have won it uh, three times, including Tazio Nuvolaria, Alberto Ascari, Juan Manuel Fangio, Sterling Moss, Ronnie Peterson, Alan Prost, Rubens Barrichello won it three times, and Sebastian Vettel has won there three times as well. So some very, very uh, big names in that list. So anyways, I think that is a good place to wrap it up for this week. So uh, again, apologize for having the show a little bit later than normal, but I do appreciate you uh, hanging in there and uh, appreciate all the, the the comments and tweets that we get. And if you would like to, to help and support the show, the best and the easiest way, and only takes you a couple of minutes of your time, is to leave a, a five-star rating review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you download and listen to the show, and uh, we would uh, greatly appreciate it. Anyways, if you have any comments or feedback, you send me an email at scuderiaf1 at gmail.com or tweet me at scuderiaf1 on the Twitters. And that's it. That's a wrap. Thank you for listening. Enjoy the Italian Grand Prix, and I'll be back earlier next week. I'll do my best at any rate to come back and talk about the Grand Prix a little bit earlier to make up for this week. But that's it. That's it. I'm out for now. Talk to you guys again soon. Ciao.
Thanks for listening to the Scuderia F1 podcast. If you want to get the show notes for this episode, then head over to ScuderiaF1Pod.com. Want to get in touch with us? Then email us at ScuderiaF1Pod at gmail.com.